You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member of FDIC. Well, welcome to Friday Coffee. It's Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield, and we are in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. Agents all across the state of Mississippi, home life, auto, whatever you need. Go by and see your friends at Farm Bureau. Charlie, Starkville bustling downtown this morning. Has been all week. It's Man, been it, really busy. A lot going on downtown. Yeah, a lot of people walking around, shops. It's going to be a little bit longer, but once they get this downtown thing straightened out, get the renovations done, you know, there's a big renewal plan down here. Actually, not renewal. It's an upgrade. It's just a revitalization. There, that's a great word. They that's are good, reviving downtown is what they, they may are They may be vibing it for the first time. I'm not sure there's a re <laughs> in there. There's not a re in there. But, uh, yeah, a lot going on, so good time to be in the city of Starkville. Short night last night. I um, I got home and um, perused the social media and uh, didn't get a whole lot of sleep. We're back up here in the studio on Friday morning. Uh, we had basketball later today. Not much later. We played Nichols. At 1 o'clock. Played Nichols at 1 o'clock. You and I have the TV broadcast of that. So um, I got I guess I got to start looking at the Colonels. I do, know, I do know they beat LSU. I do know that. Other than that, what you hear on the broadcast is going to be learned between now and the broadcast. We might all be learning it together. Yes. We might be Wikipedia it with uh, three minutes to go in the first half. As you said, I was looking up turkey calls one day during a broadcast. Yeah, today will not be that day. No, it will not. All right, last night, let's talk about it. Uh, we lose against Ole Miss in the battle for the Golden Egg, 17-7. to you know, we, we talked last night on the postgame show about the defensive effort that our guys had. We had some guys that played their last game last night um, from an eligibility standpoint on the defensive side with Buki Watson and Jet Johnson. And, man, you had so many guys that played well defensively last night. And I don't think we can start the show in any kind of negative way without highlighting the positive. I mean, I, let me tell you this. Everybody out there knows if there is anybody that hates to lose to the bunch up the road, it's me. So I'm not the glass half full type of guy in moral victories at all, at all. But we did have some guys last night that played their last game at Mississippi State, and uh, they had some they had some great memories. And let me tell you something, Buki Watson is going to end up one of the all-time tacklers, not just at Mississippi State, but in the SEC. So the career that some of these guys had, thank you for what you did for us. Oh, man. I'm going to miss seeing that guy out there. Oh, yeah. And you start to think about next year, well, you got some holes to fill on the defensive side of the football. Man, we don't have holes. we got some chasms next year. Yeah, and linebacker's going to be a big spot. And what you're going to have to see, though, guys like John Lewis take that big step forward. J.P. Purvis is going to have to give you a little more next year. Um, so there's some guys out there, um, but you're just you're going to need them to. 
And I guess that's, you know, a conversation for maybe later in the show, maybe for a later day, I don't know, about what you've got to bring in to fill the gaps. But part of it's going to be, too, what are you going to be doing? Because, you know, sometimes we'll start the show off a little song playing. I was thinking about maybe a change is going to come. You know, we could have gone with a few options there. A change will do you good? Yeah, that's right. We – we're going to see some changes. Do you go away from the three three five? I mean, personnel wise, what you need and how many of each you need could be very different, right? I mean, you may need more defensive tackles. That's what I was about to say. What's the thing about the three three five? Is you don't have to have as many defensive tackles. You're going to have to fill in some linebackers in there. Often we ain't even touch the offense. I mean, we're going to retool a lot of our offensive line, receiving core, some. If this was a renovation, we got to take this thing down to the studs. Oh, yeah, it's about to go to the studs. And, and build out from there. Rip out all the sheetrock and start over. And I think part of this, too, and I don't think this can be emphasized enough, is that in the coming days, you will see players, both from Mississippi State and elsewhere. We notice it because it's our guys, but it is not unique to us. There are going to be players putting hearts and hourglasses and thinking emojis and all these things, the best thing anybody can do is just back away from it. Stay off social media. Don't reply to it. That's I mean, just don't reply to it. I mean, that's the thing, other than if you want to be positive about it. I, you do not have your computer out. No, because stats don't matter. Nothing matters about the game last night except for a few things. Hey, by the way, I was thinking, you know, this is no secret. We listen to other Mississippi State podcasts too, right? We listen to Robbie, listen to Hey Dad, good friend and host, whoever. You know, you check them out, see what people are saying periodically. And one of the things that, uh, you know, Brian Hey Dad does is his things that are true. Yeah. You heard his things that are true. Always get a kick out of those uh, because he brings passion to the things that are true. And I was talking to him the other day. You know, one of the things, uh, you know, I told him I, I need a gimmick like that, right? And so I was sitting there last night thinking, you know, I was trying to think of what could you do as a segment on this show, like as an ode to uh, this football team. I was thinking like the three and out, you know, you have three opinions and then you leave um, because that's uh, – we have a lot of three and out. I got more three. Um, yeah, I've read our things that would be true. Would be uh, – I don't know how long his will be. I have not. I've not heard uh, what he has done. I'm guessing his things that are true are quite long. One of the things to me that would be true, and I hope he covers this, is we have to be willing to move on if that's what it takes. But we we have to. Whoever comes in as our next coach, I don't want to say you give up on a year, you punt a year, but I would say this: we have to think longer term with whoever's next because the, we. I started to say we're not in rebuilding mode, but we are. Yeah, no, we're we're in full blown rebuilding mode. It's tough to say that two years after winning nine games. And and we said that to be honest with you, coming into this year, we thought this year was going to be an okay year. I thought it was going to be an okay year. I thought we we're going to be decent this year, to be honest with you. I did too. And I, I thought th- we would be seven, eight wins. And I thought that next year would be the year of oh my okay, we got to, you know, this is when the rebuild begins. You can't make sure you don't bottom out. Hey, speaking of, of Brian and, and Robbie and, and, and Steve and those guys, 
I try not to listen to their podcast before we do a show. Because no, I, I never do. No, and here's the reason why. Because I know, <laughs> I know if I say something that Brian says, he'll call me out on it. Oh yeah, yeah. he'll he'll text me and says, "Hey, you stole that from me." And so now I can, you know, I can rightfully say I don't listen to it before we talk about it. So he may have said some things like this. All right, let me ask you this question: If and we talked about this extensively last night on the post game show. About and we've talked about this for the past couple weeks here about the decision to blow up the offense in the off season and go completely away from the air raid. And you know there are there there are some options in that in that deal. Do you have to hire someone that is a true air raid person? No. I mean there are a lot of people in the air raid tree that have added to the offense and done something a little bit different and. You know, whether it be a Chris Hatcher at Samford. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, heck, Lincoln Riley added to the air raid. Looking back at this season, if you had an air raid style of offense, how many games do you win? And here's a reason why I ask that question. I looked up there last night at Ole Miss, and Ole Miss won 10 games this year. They had, I think, five or six games they trailed in the second half. Five games. They had five games they trailed in the second half this year. One of them was last night. And they won all five of them. You start thinking back to Arkansas, Texas A&M. They won at Tulane. Well, they trailed Georgia and Alabama in the second half. Well, well, you get what I'm saying. Five of their wins. Five of their wins. They trailed in the second half. Right. Five of their wins. And you start thinking back to and looking how how the SEC stacked up this year. How many games would you have won because the SEC was down? All right, so let's go through it. If you had last year's offense, I think you've got a good chance to have won the game yesterday. I think so, too. If you have last year's offense, you have a very good chance to have won at South Carolina. And Auburn. And Auburn. So. So, and Kentucky. Possibly. Kentucky? Yeah. So, there's four. Well, let's say you only take two of them. Let's say you just split two of the four, and now you're a seven-win team looking to go to a bowl game and get eight. I mean, that's a – that's a big swing, man. And nobody's thrilled at seven and five, but it beats the heck out of five and seven. But if you're eight and four, going to a bowl game, and that would be a good bowl game this year. And I know if if and buts and all that stuff. I mean, whatever. But you kind of ask yourself, so what that did, you know, because now all of a sudden you're you're probably probably about to blow it up another way. No, I think absolutely. I think the thing to me though. Because I I think sometimes we think about this in terms of was moving away from the air raid the problem. Maybe the biggest problem is what we moved from the air raid to, which is a system that I still haven't been able to identify. We have no identity. I don't know what the plan was. I don't know what we were trying to accomplish. Whatever it was, I'd like to think we didn't accomplish it because I hope we have loftier goals than six and a half points per SEC game or whatever it was. So you start to look around. My thing is this. If you're going to move away from the air raid, then you have to get a quarterback, and I'm not knocking well, but you have to get a quarterback who is equipped to run what you're going to run. And so it seemed to me you kind of had a choice. Keep doing what Will knew how to do and was good at doing. 
I mean, was he going to be an All-American? No, but he was good. He was efficient. And you saw that at times. At the end of the first half in South Carolina, when we had to go, we didn't have time to stand around. We had to get it out of his hand in a hurry. We moved down the field. Last night before halftime, when we get the ball back less than two minutes to go, and we end up missing the field goal, but what we do, we went, and we went, and we got down the field. Those were the closest two series I can think of this year to running the old air raid. Ball to quarterback, ball out of hand, get to the line. I don't I don't know. And then, golly, man, I just get frustrated because, you know, it's kind of like sometimes maybe uh, you, you get get a new uh, new item in your office and you feel like you just have to use it because you just bought it. You get a new shirt, you feel like you have to wear it because you just got it. But why do we feel compelled to take Mike right out there on second down and eight? You know, we're moving the ball and, hey, let's run in and let's get two yards. And now let's send Will back out on third and six. I just – I don't understand. There was no plan. It was just a bunch of mismatched ideas. And for all – I sent this to you in a text message. For all the grief that Mike Leach took for getting running backs killed, oh, yeah. we got a guy hurt last night on a stupid play call because the two guys that you're asking to make the blocks out there – no knock on them. They aren't capable of making those blocks. And you're running a guy right into a tackler. It just is – it's frustrating. It's frustrating for everybody. I mean, it is – and you kind of look back to, to January when it all happened, and should there have been some signs when it happened? Because, you know, and, and we had Kevin Barbet on the show, and Kevin a, is a good guy. He's a, he's a nice person. And we had him on the show. We hired a lot of assistant coaches before we hired an offensive coordinator. And you kind of wonder, because nobody really came from his staff with him here. And so not only is he teaching players a new system, you're teaching coaches a new system as well. And we had, and I said this on the post game last night, and Matt brought it up. Matt was, <laughs> Matt was pretty candid last night. We had an offensive line last year that. At times, we raved about, I mean, were they just great? Were they a top three offensive line in the league? No, but they were very good and serviceable. You had guys that moved to different positions and played different positions, and they did a pretty good job for the most part last year, and you had all of those guys coming back. And now all of a sudden, you have a difficult time blocking anybody. Ole Miss's defensive front, Ole Miss's front seven are not very good. And you look at how that – I mean, they had guys all over the ball last night. Yeah, they had the box stack. But our guys, our personnel is not that bad. Am I wrong for saying – I mean, it looked like you're teaching guys a completely new scheme, and I don't – you know, I don't know how much blame is to go on just not understanding the new offense. I don't know how much blame is to go into the, being the offense. I don't know how much blame is to go into – trying to teach the offense from offensive line coaches. I don't know how much it goes into splitting the offensive line coaches from guards and centers to tackles. And t- I, I, Let me tell you something. I don't, I don't care. I don't ever want to see that again. This happened twice. Remember Carol McRae, and it was another dude that came in under Coach Cheryl. I think it was like 2002 or 2003, and we had two offensive line coaches. It just it doesn't work, and there's a reason that it doesn't work. Well, here's, here's what I would say to you. The personnel on this team 
isn't so bad that you can only score seven points against Ole Miss. The personnel of this team isn't so bad that you can only score ten points against A&M or three against Kentucky or 13 against an Auburn team that got beat by Jerry Kill and New Mexico State or a mere touchdown against Arkansas. 17 against Alabama, that was the high water mark. That was the good day. And you, I just – I refuse to – yeah, can you go back and say, hey, a guy missed a block, a guy missed a play? Yes. But I refuse to put that – I refuse to blame a bunch of college athletes for that. All right. So now going forward, I mean, we're not talking about just a little grenade. We're talking about a complete, like, big old bomb blowing it all up because we're going to have a lot – of turnover in the next few weeks. Well, that's the thing. You know, people talk about, and I do too, by the way, about needing to hit the portal and needing a lot of guys to come in. Well, there's a corollary to that. Some guys got to go because you got to make some room. And the other thing I think that's going to be difficult as a fan is there are going to be some people who leave that we don't want to, at least from an athletic standpoint. Okay, let me ask you this question. We talk about philosophy. Talk about philosophy from an op- offensive standpoint. Do you get away from the three-three-five, but also the philosophy with and, and you somewhat understood what they were trying to do, as far as building the staff of a bunch of Mississippi guys, and we're going to recruit the high school level, and the junior college level, with relationships in the state of Mississippi, and that's one of the reasons you had a lot of assistant coaches before you actually had your offensive coordinator in place. And that's working out as well as our offensive system did. So what I was going to say, well, that that tells me what your answer is about to be. Okay. <laughs> thank Hang you. up job there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for leading me down the right path, okay, so I know I can turn right when I come to this fork in the road. Looking back now and realizing – in today's world of the transfer portal, when you start looking at trying to get transfers in from different parts of the country and having relationships around the country, that philosophy of building your roster of coaches to recruit one soul 200-mile radius probably works 20 years ago, but it probably doesn't work now. Well, and I'll go a step further than say it might work now, but you got to win some of the battles. Right, I mean, if you sell out to a philosophy and then do not execute that philosophy particularly well, then where are you? Because I think that's more or less where we've been. Now, long way to signing day, I don't want to overstate that. And There's a lot of people that do a lot of different things. But I will say this. It, it, it some degree, it doesn't matter how we got here. It, it, what we have to do is understand where we are. There was a great George Washington quote or – not a quote, but it was a description of George Washington that I read not too long ago, and it said that his greatest strength was seeing things how they were, not how he wanted them to be. And I think what we have to do is stand back and say, all right, where are we? Where are we? How we got here, all that stuff, it doesn't matter. Because when whoever walks through that door in a couple of days and is given a cowbell and a maroon blazer and we do whatever else we do, they're going to have to just look and say, here we are. And what do I have to do? And as much as I think we need an influx of talent, we need some really, really good hires. And we need some good coaches. And I'm not knocking – don't don't misunderstand me. That's not a term. But they have to be strategically 
picked, right? Um, because we're going to have to implement an entirely new offensive system. Hey, you well, see, let me take that back. We're going to have to implement a offensive system. <laughs> you think to basketball and how many basketball coaches, coaching staffs around this country are built for recruiting purposes only, okay? I mean, I, know, I could name you a bunch right now, several right now, that their three assistant coaches are not X and O at all. They're just recruiting. Get me players. And, hey, at the end of the day, it's all a lot of it's about the, the players you get. But you give me a team or give me a program that has two recruiters and an X and O guy that really understands. Hey, we're still, talk, still talking about Stan Jones 20 years later. He was here one year. He was here one year. Stansberry ran those inbound plays for the next 15 <laughs> years. You know, it was almost like – that gum was a coach Klein. Leave, leave me the book. Leave me that green notebook because you've got to have some guys that are teachers of the game, along with your point. And and you know what else you have to have at this point as you go forward, you have to have someone who is essentially a player personnel guy. You have to have a guy, and I'm not talking about get them in the classes. I'm not talking about make sure their tickets are paid. I'm talking about somebody who is effectively the general manager, right? Somebody who can effectively understand where people are, where they're going. And I think you'll see more of that. It's much more of a pro model now in my mind. You have to look at this. you got to have a quarterback. you got to have people get to the quarterback. you got to have people to keep you from getting to the quarterback. And you got to have some playmakers wherever they may go. But you got to understand where you are with people, right? Well, and the biggest hire, to be honest with you, to me, not just player personnel. Can I guess where you're going? You're going to say strength coach. Performance staff. You can't say strength okay. coach anymore. It is morphed into athletic performance. Okay. See, so, I learned something today. Yeah, we need to have a performance staff because those are the guys that are around your, your players more than coaches are. You talk about player personnel being your GM, but – I thought we were soft at times and at places this year. Well, I thought, and I, I really thought this, last year when I was down on the sidelines, as I was walking through and we were playing Georgia, and I looked at their cornerbacks and how they were put together. And then I looked at our receivers across the line who were trying to get off the line against those guys. I was like, man, this ain't fair. Now, that's Georgia. Right. right. But you're seeing that progressively more. I thought this year you can look at Auburn. You can look at – you look at a lot more teams than you want to count and say, man, we're not the, we're not quite at their level physically. Not strong and bold like my cup of strange brew coffee is this morning. Charlie, I did not put cream nor sugar in it. I got the house blend. I did not get the blueberry cobbler flavored coffee this morning, but I went to strange brew coffee house because that's what winners do. Even though we didn't win last night, I'm going to win the day today. Did you go with any Baileys? No, I didn't. Just only because I didn't have any. All right. But, hey, strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. You can get the great coffee sent to you. And, of course, the the home office of Strange Brew, Spring Street and Highway 12. And then they're also in Tupelo at Brewpolo. So make sure to make Strange Brew a part of your holiday plans for your gifts. When you buy that coffee, buy the mugs. Send it to that recent graduate who wants that smell of Starkville. 
strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. Smell of Starville. I'll let but if you're downtown, you're smelling dust. Yeah, it's going to say. My my vantage point. All right, so let's put a let's put a three and out on this thing. I'm, I'm workshopping this idea. Um, final thoughts, final three thoughts on this football season for me. Number one, we do have to improve our talent level. However, I am not willing to assign all our failures to talent. We, we didn't play up to what we had. Number two, Greg Knox is a good man, and Greg Knox had that football team ready to play yesterday. We talk about going to the air raid or not. If we had been just ready to play and we had come out with that same energy and that same emotion, we'd have won more football games this year. You add that energy and emotion to some level of base-level competency on offense, we win a bunch more games. That's my second point. My third point, and you hit on this to open, you have to – it's going to take some time for people to back away from the from the disappointment of losing that football game, even though it had a feel of inevitability to it. But you look around that team and you look at a Buki Watson, you look at a Jet Johnson. I'll tell you a guy who really stepped forward this year, uh, Sean Preston in the secondary. I thought, uh, you know, Jaden Crumity, you talk about Pickering – these are guys, Cole Smith, guys who are out of eligibility, don't even have the chance to come back if they wanted to. Those are some good Bulldogs, and they were some dang good football players. And I think all those guys one day are going to be remembered fondly. And the guy that I didn't mention in that that's going to deserve some recognition, he's not out of, out of eligibility, but if reports are to be believed, and I think, look, I mean, just minimal awareness will tell you. Will Rogers is going to be somewhere else next year, playing one last year. Was Will a um, high-level athlete? No, of course not. Was he perfect? No, of course not. But that guy played through a lot, was here to fit the system. He fit it well. And, you know, life circumstances, you know, you think about what the change from Mike Leach did to him. You know, I, I just think that is a guy that in time will be remembered much more fondly and probably much more in the way that he deserves than some would give him credit for now. I agree. And That's my three and out segment. That uh, that guy left a lot out there. We had a lot. We had several guys that left a lot out there. And uh, hey, looking, you know, ten years from now, I think you're really going to appreciate when you start when they start throwing up all the you know the the record books in the SEC as far as passing yards and you continually see Will Rogers, I think you're going to understand that, you know, the three years he had under Mike Leach, and there were there times that the offense didn't play well, yeah, but it was it was pretty cool to see, and uh, and so, yeah, thanks to Will, his family. Let me tell you something: when you're a quarterback in this league, your family can't look at social media. I can tell you that for a fact, and you can't look at social media, and so that's a. Uh, that that comes with the territory a little bit because I think people are crazier now than they ever been in their in their lives. Let me tell you who's not crazy, who's about as sane as it gets, and just a good dude. Talk about Will Rogers being a good dude. Talk about Greg Knox being a good dude. That's Chris Keeney. Wait, 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 wait. See, you've you've started this plug for Cannon Ford all wrong, because see what you need is he's the crazy guy. He's going to make you a crazy good deal. <laughs> 
<laughs> Go take advantage of him. He's making crazy deals left and right at Cannon Ford. On Black Friday. So go there later today. Yeah, Chris Keene, man, at uh, Cannon Ford of Startwell. Cannon Ford located just east of Startwell on Highway 182. The uh, the body shop, the service center, the service center is open now on Saturdays between 8 and 12. And so if you need your tires rotated, if you need a spray-in bed liner, need a new transmission, you need a new bumper. That's in the body shop. Or, hey, what's the main reason you go to the to the dealership to get a new or used car? they got a lot full of great vehicles out at Cannon Ford of Startwell. I really didn't have a good chance there, uh, Charlie, to, to pop a good segue in there. I was trying to think of anything. I didn't have a good chance. I don't have a three and out for you. I guess the three and out really needed a sponsor, didn't it? Well, we're still workshopping it. It hasn't quite taken form yet. Well, you can't say the three and out is country pleasing because they got more than three varieties, okay? They got so many varieties now. So used to when they had just the original, the jalapeno cheddar, and then they added the pineapple pork. You're like, okay, those are, that's a three-headed monster right there. It's really good. It could be three and out brought to you by the three cheese variety. Yes. Country pleasing. That's some good stuff. Oh, man, it's outstanding. Go to countrypleasing.com. And they'll ship you that great sausage just in uh, grocery stores throughout the southeast. And they use it in great restaurants, especially in the city of New Orleans. And so, hey, it's red beans and rice time right now. A little bit of cool weather. I thought last night was going to be cold. I was somewhat comfortable last night. It was fine. Yeah. It was, you know, if you were up on a breezeway or something, you know, standing in the scoreboard club, things like that, it could, wind was moving around pretty good up there. Are we going to talk about officiating at all? Yeah, why not? Um, it was not good. Well, no, no, no. Hang on, let me be. There were some critical calls that went against us that hurt us. The pass interference call was bogus. The targeting call, I get it. I just hate it because there's no other way to make the tackle. Well, it's almost like you got to use some common sense here. When a guy's diving head first and a player's trying to knock him short of a first down, when they decided to go to review, when they pulled it to review and the first time I saw it, and I was like, well, that's the last time we'll see Deshaun Page tonight. Because by the letter of the law, when it happened, but I think you just got to use some common sense. It's almost like a down tackle. You know, he's got his head down. Uh, the other thing, Charlie, um, and this is an, a conversation for another day. This was kind of a hot-button topic last night. Uh, <laughs> I think Jay said on the broadcast last night, J.J. Pegues went down. He he held his uh, he held his wrist, and then they limped off the field. They checked the trainers checked his ankles. Here's my thing, and I, I didn't say this on the post game, but I think it has to be asked. And, and let me tell you this, and I'm not I'm not dis- disparaging a student athlete from another team. I'm just saying he is an example of what has become a very interesting trend in college sports with some teams. Here's, here's my issue. Um, at some level, and this goes for anybody, this isn't them, I think we have to find a way. If we're going to take targeting out, we have to find a way to to deal with the fake injuries uh, because to, to at some level it kind of demeans the people who have real ones. Um, and it puts them, you know, you got guys laying on the field actually hurt getting booed. Well, I mean, Jackson Dart last night, you know, he goes down, and I, you, know, you probably heard a few folks out there booing 
shouldn't have at that time. I mean, because he's your quarterback. But, but at that, some level, I think we have to hold a trainers and physicians accountable. I mean, these guys are supposed to be professionals. I mean, look, my profession is certainly not one that can <laughs> uh, start casting many aspersions about ethics and the like, but it seems like you take an oath somewhere along the way that basically, you know, come on. Yeah. But, um, look, it's part of the game. So, I'm not – I want to be clear. I'm not knocking him at all. What I'm saying is from – in the NFL, they have the competition committee. The competition committee needs to get together and decide here's how we're going to handle injuries. And it may be that from now on, if you were injured, you're going to be out five plays. You know, we, we have this one-play rule. Why, you can change that. It may be that you're out the rest of the drive. There, there are different things you can do to, to try to make a judgment there. I'll tell you what else the NFL does. The NFL, a few years ago, and you heard some teams with a little bit of backlash because they didn't understand how it was going to work is they all have a neurosurgeon on the sideline that is an independent of the school. They're independent of the of the school's medical staff that are on the sideline and Alan Seals the team. Or, or the team. You know, Alan Seals kinda leads that up. He's a he's a chief you know medical officer for the NFL, he's a Mississippi State graduate. And I know from a cost standpoint and I know you know when you start talking about when they break out, I and mean, we all have said this forever if they ever break out the top 70 teams in America and it's going to be a new division and a new NCAA at the the Power 5 schools, what are your thoughts on making sure every game there's an outside independent source to look at concussions? Yeah, you have to think about that. Um, I don't know that I would be opposed to it. I guess, though, can you just imagine the controversy that you'll have where – Oh, I know. This it's, guy disqualified the player from coming back in. and We start looking at his Where did he go to college? And can you imagine the hate? Just imagine if you're the guy signed, assigned to the Iron Bowl and you tell Alabama that Milrow can't go back into the game starting the fourth quarter. Auburn beats them by a touchdown. That guy will never work again. Oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, hey, I'm not advocating. I'm just saying, do you think you, you may ever see it? Well – I will say this, I, as much as you talk about, like, faking injuries, Dart looked really hurt after that hit. I mean, he looked like he didn't exactly know where he was. And they, he brought him back in. The, you know, they sat one him out play one, one play, and they ran him later. Yeah, so. They were running Jenkins at the end. Man, can you imagine, you know, game salting a game away with that guy? And, hey, let me tell you this. We talk about our players. I'm going to say this right now. I respect – good play of athletes. I respect good athletes. What Quinshawn Jenkins is, is he's a dang good running back. Oh, yeah. I mean, you yeah, got yeah, yeah. real got to respect real, right? <laughs> and so that dude is real. No, he's a player. He yeah. he is he is legit. Um, I thought, you know, Dart didn't have one of his better games. It was a guy playing hurt a little bit, and like I said, I still think kind of shook up. But I think what you saw, too, with Jenkins is you just let him settle in. Yeah, and I thought I thought Judkins was the change in the ball game. That so drive, they, that drive, where he just yeah. decided, "All right, here we go." And I thought the decision to give the ball to Judkins and remember who you were, and then they got a a good change of pace back as well. Yeah, and so he runs more outside. Bentley does. Yeah. All right, Charlie. I guess we need to learn a little bit about basketball. Yeah, we probably should. By the way. 
basketball today, Nichols. Well, this is a good basketball team. I am uh, happy now to turn the page. I do think this, too, last thing. Um, you're going to see a bump in excitement here pretty soon because I think I get the feeling we're closing in on naming a football coach. And, you know, for Mississippi State, you know, obviously you never want to lose an egg boy, a battle for the golden egg. What you said. But I think the good news is we've got a chance to get a, a kind of a boost of excitement here pretty soon. Yeah, and whoever that dude is, hope he has a lot of relationships and going out and can recruit and bring a bunch of guys in because we're going to need a <laughs> we're going to need a bunch of players in the next few weeks. Hey, thanks to our good friends at Howard Technology Solutions. Go to howardcomputers.com and see how they can help your business in the technology world, whether it be a laptop, whether it be a desktop computer, whether it be audiovisual components for your office or classroom. So go to howardcomputers.com. They also have kiosks. If um, you know, pouring machines and any kind of payment kiosk, they can do it for you with a touch screen. And so our good friends at Howard Technology Solutions, go to howardcomputers.com, a Mississippi company. It's headquartered down in Jones County and our good friends at Howard Technology Solutions. All right, anything else for the good of the cause today, Charlie? No. I'm sorry. Let's I did a lot of basketball. I did a lot of rambling today because I do not like losing to Ole Miss. I don't at all. And I said this last night on the on the broadcast. I think I look back at some of those games in the mid two thousands, like two thousand six, where you know you get beat by three points. I don't remember anything about that game. I think in two thousand two we got beat twenty four to twelve. I was looking at the stats and stuff or the the notes. I don't remember anything about that game. And ten years from now, I'm not going to remember anything about that game last night. I'm not. Because after the game was over, like right now, if you ask me a lot about that game, I couldn't tell you. I mean, it was it was meh. The first nine drives ended up in punts. I mean, Sly Croom was sitting there going, slugfest. Sly Croom was going, man, that's bad. That's right. <laughs> I mean, all right. Woody McCorvey was turning the TV off because he was bored by that performance. <laughs> uh, thanks to our good friends. Hey, at Maroon and Company, Man, they have been so good. They have been so great to work with. Maroon and Company, go to maroonandco.com. They're in the Cotton Mill Marketplace right by campus in Chick-fil-A. Hey, they're open today, and uh, you can go by and get some of those good Black Friday deals. Go to maroonandco.com, in-store purchases. You can also you can use the code NIL10. To, you'll get 10% discount on all your purchases, and then they'll send 5% to the Bulldog Initiative. So Maroon and Company, go to maroonandco.com. I saw a lot of people last night with the state script quarter zips, the uh, old interlocking MSU logo with the quarter zips. Man, they got it all. A great selection at Maroon and Company. So you got basketball today. When does basketball play again? Oh, we go to Georgia Tech on Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. So this is kind of a little trap game for us later today. All right, Charlie. Enjoyed it as always. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Sunday Coffee on a Friday morning.